0: radio.com. You're
1: listening to Run as Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 151 with guest Kevin Royalty. Recorded Tuesday, February 23rd, 2010. Run as Radio is produced each week by Quap Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow the boys on Twitter at twitter.com slash radio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell. With me as always, my co-host, Greg Hughes.
0: Hey, how are you?
1: I'm well, sir. Good. You know, get by anyway. Spring has already sprung early here in, in Vancouver, and so... You it's, sound a uh, little stuffy. Yeah, I'm a little uh, dealing with the allergies. I got a fistful of antihistamines in me, but you know it takes a while for them to really kick in. So we'll see how uh, I do.
0: Oh uh, well, that's a short-lived, short-lived problem for you, though, right?
1: I hope so. Yeah, a couple of weeks, and then we uh, will be past for another year.
0: Good. Well, it's been a, uh, it's been several fifty-eight or sixty-degree days down here in Portland in the middle of February. So it's been a. Uh, been a pretty mild time.
1: Yeah, the Northwest has got it light, which figures since, you know, we're hosting the Winter Olympics and all. Yep. But I think they went pretty well, went to a bunch of games, have had a lot of fun. It's been crazy around my city and uh, I hope everybody knows what a great place we got up here now.
0: Very cool. And I'm looking forward to next winter taking advantage of the massive amount of housing and stuff that was built that will be available at cheap, cheap prices. I heard Whistler was put on the auction block. Was that true?
1: Yeah, the, uh, the parent company, which turns out to be an American company,
0: yeah, we'll go figure.
1: Yeah, actually went bankrupt. Uh, they had financing problems, and so I don't. I think they actually delayed the auction until after the Olympics, but they're uh, going to sell it off.
0: Alrighty. Well, next year, I'm looking forward to a trip up there to do some winter sporting myself.
1: Sounds good. All right. Well, let's introduce our guest. With us today is Kevin Royalty. He's been an IT professional since 1986, and today he serves as the president of the Cincinnati Network Professionals Association. President of the Cincinnati Small Business Server User Group, and a board member of Microsoft Small Business Advisory Board. He's been a Microsoft MVP for Small Business Server since 2006. Kevin is a computer science graduate, a Microsoft-certified systems engineer, and is certified by Microsoft to support their Small Business Server products. Welcome, Kevin.
0: Hey, Kevin. Thank you.
1: So, obviously, take Small Business Server very seriously, but... Do I understand you're promoting or demonstrating how Microsoft Home Server works for businesses as well?
0: Yes, I am. That's cool. I have a Home Server. I love it.
1: Yeah, everyone I know who has a Home Server adores it. Just is thrilled to death. So for folks who don't know anything about Home Server, maybe we should start at the beginning.
0: What is Home Server?
2: Well, if you'd like me to answer that, I certainly can do my best at doing that. All right. Home Server is a product that Microsoft kind of snuck onto the public scene about two and a half years ago um, at CES, and it was a product that uh, didn't really have any competition in the market when it was introduced. It uh, is based on Windows Server 2003 R2 technology. Uh, And it's it's normally designed to be a headless device. So you essentially buy the home server already built by, you know, by an OEM such as HP or IBM or whoever. And you drop it in place and plug it into your network. It has an Ethernet jack and it has usually no video output, no keyboard and mouse. Right. Sort of looks like a NAS device. Yeah, it's designed to be headless. Um, And then once you turn it on, you take, uh, there's some CDs that come with it. Uh, one is the Client Connector CD. Um, you can throw that into a computer, run the setup. It finds the server on your network, and then it will let you then attach to it. The little client gets installed on up to no more than 10 computers on your network. Right. And it's designed to be put in a peer-to-peer network. It's designed to be the first server for your house. And uh, I know a lot of us, myself included, have had servers in our homes for years, but we're geeks. You right. Know, that's what we do. Yeah. But... This is designed for Joe Average, your consumer market, and what it does is it is designed to centralize all of your video, your music, your photos, and in, and anything else you want to centralize on the server, um, so you don't have to share it amongst multiple computers and have it spread all over your network.
1: Right, right.
2: That, that's a huge plus, and let me tell you, my wife not being the computer-savvy person, that's my job. Um, likes to know that when she clicks on a certain place that she can see all the photos we've ever taken. And in the past, that meant putting it on my computer, but if I've got my computer off-site somewhere, she can't see the pictures, not happy.
1: Right. Right.
0: I like the fact that iTunes can see it out there on the network. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I I also like the fact that Media Center seems to be able to talk to it as well, or at least pull stuff from it.
2: Yes, it does. And there's some really cool integration that's been added. Now, the product has gone through three, essentially, service packs, or they call them power packs, that have added functionality at every single power pack. The most recent one, of course, adds Windows 7 support uh, and, of course, adds tighter integration with Windows Media Center. So what happens is you install the connector on a Media Center computer, and then what happens is when you launch Media Center, It says, hey, there's this extra add-in we can throw on here. And what it does is it integrates all the storage locations for photos, video, and music into the Media Center interface and lets you see the health of the home server in the Media Center UI. And then the recorded TV can be stored on the home server instead of on the local hard drive. Now, what is this going to do for you? Let's say you have more than one Media Center. Okay. If you tell all the media centers to store their TV in one place, then yep. all media centers have access to the same recordings.
1: This is pretty cool. The other big strength I saw in Home Server was a great backup solution for your workstation.
2: Yes, and it really and that's, works. That's 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 the thing. That's the coolest part of Home Server. Now we've talked about the geeky stuff and the stuff for Joe Average, but this thing here—the backup technology—is the hottest part. And this is the thing that that I focus on when I put home server in a small business. I mean, the shared folders are great, but the backup technology is kick-ass. And what it does is it goes to each machine and does an image backup of each computer. Now, normally that would take a lot of space, but what Microsoft has done here is they actually look at your hard drive and pull a cluster, which is typically about 4K in size, and then compare it to their database of the clusters that have already been backed up. And if it's already there, it says, oh, well, this machine needs this cluster if there's a restore. So I'm going to mark that that machine needs that cluster. But if the cluster doesn't exist in the database, it sends that 4K cluster, stores it, and marks that that machine's the one that needs it. It repeats this process for every computer on your network. It backs up one machine at a time. and, And usually the first machine, of course, is populating the database for the first time. So that takes the longest. But then it goes on to the next machine and the next machine until it's finished. And when you're done, it's got this unique database that's only the clusters that are unique among all the
1: computers. Mm-hmm. And since you're limited to about 10 machines, that means you, you know your backup is image is going to be the size of, well, at least one of them plus, what, 25%?
2: Not even that. If you think about, if you have, like let's say you have um, a small business or even a home where you've bought all new computers that are almost all the same model. They all have the same OS. They all have the same copies of software on them. All of that stuff's going to be backed up one time. The right. things that are unique would be um, your user profile, your registry, things like that, and that doesn't take up all that much space.
0: That's very cool. Yeah, it's a real and, it the, is and the beauty really cool. of it is is that pretty much anybody can do it, and it really works. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, backup software is fraught with you know, failures and gotchas and, well, should have worked but didn't. But, you know, there, there's a lot of really great success stories for, While my computer crapped out at home, and I was able to magically just restore it and put it back.
2: Yeah, I just built a new um, Windows 7 Media Center and uh, had it up and running for a very short time, and the hard drive started to fail. So I simply just got another hard drive and put it in, booted up with the Restore CD, told it I wanted to recover that computer from a few days ago when before the hard drive started failing. Right. And it restored the entire image in about 45 minutes and pulled that drive out, stuck it into the computer that it needed to go into, which is the new media center, and it was booted up just fine. Windows 7 didn't need activation because I'd already done that before, and it just works.
1: So the main thing here is, and these are quite inexpensive, aren't they? For They come from Hewlett-Packard?
2: Yeah, yeah, I like the HP uh, MediaSmart because what they've done is Microsoft has a vibrant community of, of developers that do these things called add-ins. Some charge, some don't. And these add-ins can add huge amounts of functionality to the home server. And what me, what HP has done with their MediaSmart line for the consumer and the data vault side for the small business is they've packaged some of the most common and popular add-ins with home server. And what they've done for the, for the MediaSmart and DataVault line is they've included an iTunes server. So if you have and use the Apple products and you use iTunes, it will centralize your library onto the home server.
1: Cool. Now, are there add-ins for, for businesses as well?
2: Yeah, there's add-ins for backups, uh, to send your backups into the cloud and things like that. There's all kinds of add-ins out there. There's add-ins for UPSs, so if you hook a battery backup up to your home server, it'll shut it down. There's add-ins for sending health alerts via email. For those of us that are managed services providers that want to maintain our customer servers, we can get alerts when there's an issue on that box, which makes it easy for us to keep our customers happy. Um HP's also done some stuff where they include things that will re-encode video for portable devices. So you've got your Zooms and your iPods and your mobile phones that, that play MP4 video. You can record a TV show with Media Center, and then, then the Media Smart can turn around and re-encode that in MP4 format so you can sync it with your portable device and take it with you.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty slick.
0: So for the casual end-user or the non-geeky type, if you will, um, usability wise, they've done a lot to give it nice rounded corners and make it friendly and it, it, honestly kind of hard to mess it up, right? For, yeah. for those of us, for those of us that are probably a lot of us that are listening who are thinking, well, that might be kind of cool to use at home. What if I have uh, a laptop, for example, that is on a corporate or a work domain, but I use it at home also? Can I back that up to the media center?
2: Absolutely. We've already done this for some of our customers that um, have work-from-home employees that have laptops that they take with them. And I've put home servers in their homes. And what you do is the client software sits on the system tray. It doesn't care if you're a domain member. doesn't care if you're a work group member. It just backs the machine up.
0: I think I called it, I think I said media center a minute ago, I meant home server. Obviously, you're not going to back up to the media center.
2: (laughs) Correct, You you don't. And it will back up media centers. It automatically skips the recorded TV folder, but you can go back and include that manually if you want to store those TV shows on the media center, but then back them up to the home server.
0: I'm going from memory on something here, but it seemed to me that the username and password on the machine you were backing up had to match something on the account on the home server. That might be a legacy thing. I know I'm thinking back a little while here. It's a
2: workgroup thing, actually. Um, you don't need to create user accounts if you're in a domain. In fact, home server doesn't even care. Um, if it if it's in, in workgroup mode, which it stays in, you don't want to join it to a domain. Um, you right. can set it in a, in a business network, leave it in workgroup mode, load the client software on up to 10 computers. It will back them up, and it will not complain about no user accounts and stuff like that. It doesn't care. Okay. But I do have clients that have the home servers at home that bring their corporate laptops home, and I do back up those laptops onto that machine. Now, I do clear it with their corporate to make sure it's okay because a lot of times they have policies in place that say, you don't load software without our approval. When I explain to them what I want to load and why, I've yet to be turned down.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe the one... uh... The one situation where you might get turned down there would be if, for some reason, there's sensitive information on that machine that should not be backed up outside of the corporate environment. I can see where yes, that might be. Yes, and those are conversations we've case. had,
2: and yes. And it's a risk that some are willing to take, and it's a risk that so far everyone has taken. But there, I'm sure I'll run across somebody that's going to say, no, you can't back that up because of the data that they may contain.
1: So I'm looking at this from a small business perspective, a place with obviously 10 PCs or less, looking at having their first file server, essentially. And then they also get a backup server as well, all, yeah. all in one for less than $1,000. I mean, that's pretty hard to argue about.
2: It is. Now, there's one piece that we haven't talked about that both uh, what I call micro-businesses, the businesses that are 10 PCs and under, uh, that maybe can't spring for small business server because of the cost. And the home users can also use this feature. Um, My area of expertise, as you said earlier, was small business server. One of the features in small business server that was actually borrowed from that and put into home server is the remote connectivity through a web browser. Uh, In the SBS world, we call this remote web workplace. Um, What happens is you bring up a web page, a web browser, has to be Internet Explorer because there's ActiveX controls involved. And you browse to the home server. This will this, uh, be if you're outside the network. Uh, and if you want to see what it looks like, uh, open up Internet Explorer yourself and browse to kevinroyalty.homeserver.com. And you'll get my actual home server web page to come up. Now, you'll see when it comes up that mine is uh, the HP MediaSmart. So it has an HP-branded page. And then what will happen is you can then click on one of the icons and you can actually log in with a user ID and password if you know what they are. And then you are using the web browser. And then at some point, uh, depending on the user ID and password and the security levels I decide to give you, uh, you can actually remote connectivity and connect to and control one of my PCs here at, the, here at the house. Wow. You cannot do this with a home operating system. So if you have... Uh, XP Home or Vista Basic uh, or any of the Vista Home SKUs or any of the Windows 7 Home SKUs, the remote desktop connectivity piece is not included in that OS. But if you're running right. Vista Business, XP Pro, uh, Win 7 Business, uh, that remote connectivity uh, is there, and that's what it takes advantage of.
1: Okay, so really all that the home server piece in this is doing is providing the connectivity through to the remote desktop on the workstations.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a piece of software they borrowed from small business server. Right. It works extremely right. well. Yep. But, but it does use an ActiveX control, so you must use IE um, to get in.
1: And do you have to install anything on the home server to make that work? No. So it's, it's
2: built in now. What you do blocks. have to do, though, on the, on the PCs that are on your home network, you have to uh, bring up the properties of my computer and you have to enable uh, remote desktop. right. That, that's all you have to do.
1: So then all of a sudden all your, if you've got a, a decent internet connection in your office and uh, or I mean there's obviously a DNS entry involved there as well to be able to get to that machine.
2: Yeah, and the cool part is home server comes with a free domain name at homeserver.com.
0: Really? Yourname.homeserver.com. Your
2: um, you can call it whatever you want. I chose my name, but you can call it whatever you want. I've got uh, sure. some some micro business customers that are using their business name, And that's how they get into their network at work. Now, they still have a domain name, which isn't the same, that they use for their business website.
1: Right, which is probably hosted in an ISP. Yes, it is. Uh, any other features I can add to Home Server that would be useful for business?
2: Uh, there's a few other features. One of the things that we talked about earlier is the backup of the workstation computers. What I do is I want to, as a business owner myself and protecting my business's assets, I want to back up that backup database. So there's, a ha- there's an add-in called uh, WHS, or Windows Home Server, BDBB, written by Alex Kurtz, who happens to be a Home Server MVP and former HP employee. And I use that... Utility, uh, that add-in to back up the backup database onto an external USB hard drive.
1: Something you could take off-site.
2: Yes. Something you should, t- you should take off-site. Um, and then there's also built into Home Server when PowerPack 1 came down, uh, is a way for you to back up all of the shares on the Home Server to an external disk. I use that plus the BDBB add-in to back up the entire Home Server onto that external disk and my customers I've trained them on how to do it so they back up their home servers themselves.
1: And and hopefully just take that drive home with them at night so that you know if you come back to the office the next morning there's a smoking hole in the ground where your office used to be, you know, you had it doesn't matter that you had backup tapes, they're burnt too. Yes. It's the thing you have off-site that matters.
2: Yes. And that's the thing is I can I can take that disk and take another home server and get them back up and running in a short amount of time. I'm just limited to the amount of time it takes to rec- copy the data back, really.
1: Well, and, and lay hands on another home server.
2: Yes. And the good part is, you know, they're, they're, they can be bought just about anywhere. Uh, the only one you have to order from a distributor would be the Data Vault, which is the business SKU for H, from HP. But you can go and get uh, the HP MediaSmarts and some of the other brands at your local Best Buy and places like that. Or you can order from Amazon or whoever you prefer. And, of course, you build your own as well.
0: So the, the original home servers from HP, there, there was a little while there. Is it still the case where the newest software maybe isn't available for it? Or what, what are they doing there?
2: Newest software. Oh, you mean uh, yeah, for the older models? Yes, Um Right now, the HP software that comes with the current models, the 490 series and the, uh, the Data Vault, which is the X510 series, I believe it's version 3.5, that software will not load on the older units. They are working on an upgrade um, of the software that will be available for the older units. And in my conversations with the HP product manager, uh, he told me that they are currently targeting the end of this month, beginning of next month, for the release of that software.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that because I have one of the older units, so that's the reason I was asking.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have an older 470 unit, which is the first one, and um, that one I plan on taking down to my parents and putting it into their house to back up their laptop and desktop.
0: One of the things that I don't think we've mentioned yet, um, but I've been thinking of here, is is the, the way the storage works like the disk storage and the disk array, is really pretty cool on these systems.
2: Yeah, they have this really cool technology called Drive Extender that um, there's a lot of patents that were Microsoft filed for the technology and Home Server, the backup technology is one of them, but the Drive Extender technology is another cool technology. Um, normally in the business world, those of us geeks, we know how to build RAID arrays and we know how to do stuff like that, but this product being designed for home users um doesn't have that, and being built on uh, commodity hardware, you won't have a RAID controller. And home server, in fact, doesn't like RAID controllers today. Uh, doesn't right. It Doesn't it, mean that it won't in the future, but today it doesn't like RAID controllers. And the way it works is you pop in another disk into a home server, and the HP and the Acer units uh, that I know of that I've touched are hot swappable. So you don't even need to turn the unit off. You just put the drive in the tray and slide yep. it in and um, what will happen is you'll remote into the to the home server through its console icon, and then it'll say, hey, you've connected a new disk. Would you like to add it to the disk storage pool? And you answer yes, and it automatically takes care of partitioning and formatting the drive, and all of a sudden your drive pool gets bigger.
0: Yeah, and it's just like this auto-magical thing. There's not like a RAID reconfiguration, and you can add, and you can also remove stuff. I mean, it yeah. has to do a little work to remove stuff, but you can do this on the fly. Yeah, it dynamically interface.
2: decides where to store stuff. It doesn't ask you any questions. It it will spread out the data among multiple disks. Now, another cool piece of technology that another patent was done for is in RAID, it stripes the data across all the disks. With right. Home Server, they have this thing called folder duplication, and it's at the folder level or the share level. Uh, so let's say you have some important stuff in your My Pictures and that definitely qualifies here at the house. Our pictures are very important to us.
1: Right. Sure, so we, sure. we
2: have a multiple disk home server and this feature is available only to more than one physical disk and you tell it you want to duplicate that folder. What it does is it makes a copy of that entire folder and its contents on both physical disks. So if one of the disks fails, the other disk has it.
0: Yeah, so you, if if you have you know backups for example that or maybe you decide backups are important but you have some piece of data that you're going to stick over there but you're not really worried about it from a if i lose that it's the end of the world standpoint. Right. I, I can I can choose based on the content that's important to me to duplicate just that content.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So it's and a, it's the a cool, cool part system. is like i said if one of the disks fails the other disk has the copy. You don't lose it. Now, i still am, super paranoid for my clients. So I still back up their home servers to external disks and make them take them off-site and rotate them. Right. But that's just sure. me. You may not do that in a home environment. You may just trust that it'll work. And it does. It does work very well. I, and during the early beta testing of uh, home server, uh, I did have, uh, just taking random hard drives I got laying around on the workbench from upgrading computers, I would slap them in and add them to the dry pools. So I had all kinds of disks added. And one of those disks actually was uh, starting to fail. So I got to test the, uh, the ability for home server to uh, make sure that the duplicates were protected. And, and I did test that, and it did work.
1: That's very cool. So I didn't lose anything. Very cool.
2: And then, of course, you, you mentioned earlier, removing a disk takes a while. Well, as home server decides where to store its stuff on what disk, if you say, well, that disk has got to go and you tell it you want to remove that disk from the pool, it tells you this could take a while, depending on how much data you have, but we're going to take all the data on that disk and move it off to your other disks, and then we'll let you know when you can remove that disk. And it does work. I have done that.
0: Well, it's nice to be able to go out and you can buy, you know, you just find a good deal on some one or one-and-a-half terabyte drives, shove them into the four slots that are in this, this machine that I've got, this HP machine, it, it just sort of takes care of it for you and then you can just kind of forget about it almost it's uh, i mean literally you can i guess like you're saying the only problem with maybe not taking your backups off if you do duplicate your data is you know the, it's the scenario where uh you know your house burns down or somebody steals your your server then in that case you know you've lost your data but uh, but otherwise it's a pretty good system
2: yeah it is a very good system
0: so
1: Kevin, what's the progression? So I've got a small business here. They've got less than 10 machines, uh, home servers, our first file servers, our backup solution. What happens when I get to 11 machines or 12 machines? What's my my progression to the next level?
2: Well, typically when you hit 11 machines, you're actually ready um, for something like small business server. But Let's say that you know you really like the backup technology and you don't want to lose it. We don't remove the home server. We actually leave it there. It still does what it does before, but we've moved all the file shares and the major work over to a small business server. We leave the home server in place as the backup medium for those workstations. We then can add another home server and still back up up to 10 more computers.
1: I see. So you keep home server around for the backup solution, but small business server becomes the new file server?
2: And because home server has the same remote capability that, that, that uh, SPS has, we move that job over to the SPS box, right. which is more secure domains, group policies, all that good stuff, and tighter security and everything else. And we, we just relegate the backup role to the home server.
1: That's very, very cool. Uh, what about getting into the full-scale stuff? So when you start talking about domains and and uh, you know your sort of classic server infrastructure?
2: Yeah, a home server still, as long as you leave it in a work group mode, you're not going to break the box. And you can then put these in like different departments. Right. Backup departments. You could put them in multi-site small businesses. Um, I, uh, my, the company that I own with a business partner, we have two locations. Happens to be both of our homes. Right. So we have a data vault here, uh, that we use to back up the business stuff. And then mm-hmm. my partner also has one. And I can remote into his, and he can remote into mine. And, um, you know, all of our data is protected at both sites. You could do the same thing in any small business. Just put one in each office.
1: Yeah, it feels to me like even the infrastructure I'm running in my place with domains and so forth, I ought to have one of these as a backup solution for the workstations. It's just too good at it not to do it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Now, a couple caveats, though. Never join the home server to a domain. Oh, really? It breaks the EULA, and it breaks the home server.
0: Okay, what does it break on the home server what what actually happens
2: uh, there what happens is the unit will start shutting down every hour um, it's not it's not supposed to be in a, in a domain it doesn't handle group policy a lot right. of the a lot of the drive extender technology a lot of the backup technology rely on it being in a work group right and when you join it to a domain a lot of that stuff gets blown away
0: and that's what small business server and whatnot is for
2: yes exactly
1: yeah. and it is a violation of EULA
2: it is a violation of the yield, which is important, so you don't want to do it. And I had a gentleman in my user group try it just to see what would happen, and he said, yeah, it's not a pretty site.
1: <laughs> you don't want to do this.
2: You don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, let me tell you a funny story. Um, the HP units, um, the early model, the 470 series, when I first got it, mm-hmm. uh, when I was beta testing, I had built my own box uh, for testing, which I had a keyboard monitor and a mouse, and I got to see the process to install it. Well, HP, it's a headless device. So the install process, should you have to ever go through this, is completely different than loading it on a box yourself. There's no optical drive in the HPs. Right. And the first thing I did at the time was uh, I brought the box up, connected one workstation to it so I could get to uh, the box through remote desktop, through terminal services. And I remoted into the home server. And I went to set a static IP on the NIC because the way I do things at my house is if it's a server, it gets a static IP. If it's a workstation, it gets DHCP. Sure. So I was going through this process and uh, right-clicked on the uh, NIC while I was remoted into the box. And my finger slipped, and I hit disable.
1: Oh, oh no.
2: Yeah. And at first I wasn't (laughs) sure if I hit disable because I'm like, Well, it didn't immediately disconnect me, but it took a while for the timeout to happen, but it finally came back and said, you're not connected. I was like, there's no monitor port. How in the heck am I going to fix this? Yeah. Right. But then again, there wasn't anything on it yet. I just had, just, you know, essentially named it and gave it a password and joined it, one machine to it, and that's all I did. So the icon on my system tray went from green to gray, which means I'm not connected. And of course, I lost my TS session. And I'm like, well, I get to try the HP disaster recovery scenario now. Yeah. And it was actually kind of interesting. Um, You take a machine uh, that uh, either isn't part of the home server network, that doesn't have the client software installed, or you uninstall the client software from a workstation. Then you put the DVD that comes with your kit in, and it pops up and it says... Hey, are you going to try to recover your home server? And you say yes, and then it tells you exactly what to do. It tells you to go to the HP box, and um, you have to turn it off, and then you turn it back on, and you use a paperclip to hit, almost like a you know on a CD drive where you have the emergency eject. You have to use a paperclip to do it. Right. There's a reset button on the front of the HP that's hidden behind one of those little tiny holes. That you hit it. And it boots up in a certain process, and it looks for that DVD mounted in a workstation on your network. Huh. Interesting. And then the workstation says, hey, I found your home server. What kind of, what kind of recovery do you want to do? Do you want to do a server reinstall, or do you want to do a complete wipe and reload? Now, the complete wipe and reload blows away everything on the home server and all drives. So in this case, I could have picked either option because there was no data on it. But uh, the server reinstall option only reinstalls the OS on the C partition. You still have your backup database, and you still have all your data, but you don't have mm-hmm. any user accounts or any computer accounts. So you'll have to go back and set those up again. But the- So I think it took 30 minutes maybe to rebuild that box over the network.
1: Wow. That's pretty well. Cool. And at least you always you had a path that didn't involve putting the machine back in a box. Yes. Even if it's going to take a little longer, you know, as long as I can get back, I'm pretty happy.
0: And it also didn't involve one of those phone calls to HP Tech Support.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So (laughs) good. I've I've been really happy with I've been really happy with my home server. It's it's uh it's done a lot for me. It's you know it saved my bacon once. You know on a on a restore. Um, I know you know Richard. I mean Scott Hanselman's run home server forever, and he's done some some. Some restores on his. I know it's made a difference in his life.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I, it's just this idea of home server in a business. It's for for you know five hundred or seven hundred dollars to. It's cheaper than an average workstation and a better solution for centralizing storage and and uh, and and backup. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, let me give you an example of one of the things that I've started to talk to IT pros about with home server. Is typically in a business environment. Um, you're ordering machines in batches. Right. Let's say, uh, for example, my church, we order machines usually once a year. We'll order two or three to five at a time. So we order all identical models. Yep. And they show up. And you typically, the, if, you've do, if you've been in the IT business for a while, you want to make an image of one of those machines. Yep. For future use, if you ever need to take it back to the factory defaults. Because how many machines actually come with recovery media today? Yeah. Very few also very annoying very hot, very um, very um, hot point issue with me with the vendors saving three cents by not giving you the recovery DVD yes. hello yeah um, not worth it in my opinion so first thing I do is I take one of the machines load the home server connector and do a complete backup manually of that machine okay all right so now we can only store 10 backups or ten of ten unique machines on the home server right. So, how do we keep this? image, because we're probably not going to have room for it. Right. Okay? So here's what you do. This is a cool little tip. Take another hard drive that you've got laying around, and if you don't, you'll have to buy one, obviously, but um, I carry in my kit of tools, uh, or the toy box, as my wife calls it, uh, a USB to IDE slash SATA slash laptop adapter. Right. So you grab one of those. You hook up the hard drive to it, your spare hard drive. You then plug it into a workstation that already has the home server connector installed. You go to the C program files Windows home server folder on the C drive. And if you look in that folder, you'll find an executable called client restore wizard.exe. That is the same restore wizard that's on the CD you boot from if you want to recover a PC. You run that. You connect your disk, and then you essentially restore that image that you just made onto another disk. Okay. After you've done that process, you can then take that disk and label it and then store it on your shelf. And then once you've done that, you can test it by putting the drive in and booting the machine to make sure it boots up. Once that's done, you can then delete that backup off the home server, freeing up a slot.
1: Awesome. Yeah, and and if you ever need to revert to it, you always have the drive.
2: Right. And if you ever need to update that image, let's say as soon as you get the PC, you realize, oh, it needs Service Pack 1 for Windows 7, which we know is not out yet. But let's say we know that it's out, and we need to patch the machine before we do anything else to it. So you might patch the machine first, then do your image backup. Right. And then down the road, you go, oh, Service Pack 2 is coming out. Maybe we should make a new image or update our images with a new Service Pack Plus, Office Service Pack, blah, blah, blah. You can pull that drive off the shelf, take one of the machines, shut it down, pull its drive out, put in your image drive, boot it up, patch the machine, re-back it up, pull the drive out, set the drive on the shelf, put the old uh, original disk back in, boot it back up, it's back on the domain, and everybody's happy. You now have an updated image. Cool. So, little things like that. The other thing that's cool is... You can take that recovery disk that comes with home server, and you can turn it into a flash drive. Ah, yes. Because you have laptops and netbooks that don't have optical disks. Cool. And then some of the other cool things with that is um, if you ever look at your backups on the home server, you'll find a folder on the C drive of every, every backup called Windows Home Server Drivers for Restore. If you take that folder and you drag and drop it onto a flash drive, you now have all the drivers for that machine in one place. Nice. So if you have to do a recovery with the CD, you boot the CD and it goes, what? "Hey, I don't have a driver for your uh, disk controller. I don't have a drive a controller a driver for your network card." You then take that flash drive, plug it in, and then say rescan devices. It finds the USB, loads the drivers, and says, "Up, oh, I got all I need now. We're ready to continue."
1: And just goes on that's
2: a it good just idea. goes on Cool. Clever. and then if if you turn the recovery cd into a flash drive you'll need two flash drives one for the recovery and one for the drivers because i tried putting them together and it doesn't see it
1: right kevin i think we're just about out of time any final words places people should be looking for more info about home server
2: um home server.com will be the first place to go a couple okay. other sites uh we got served.co.uk is run by uh, Terry Walsh, a home server MVP. It's probably the most popular home server site. And if you have one of the HP units, mediasmartserver.net run by Alex Kurtz, the author of many of the add-ins out there.
0: Excellent. Very, very cool. That's some great info. Thanks for. Thanks for joining us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Kevin, thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: Not a problem. Anytime, guys.
1: And we'll talk to you next week on Run as Radio.